Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dicer. Please subscribe to PR360 on all your favorite podcasting apps we have a five-star review let's get into that number one spot in the business category for pr because they haven't really distinguished us in podcasting categories we're all in the business we're just all in the business category but anyways i have melissa harry with me and she is a communication expert and a pr expert as well but she has done a lot of different types of strategies four different types of companies, including Applebee's, IHOP, Walmart, Starbucks, Hilton, Honors, Hampton as well. She also has done things like event pl- or events, internal communication, CSR, crisis communication. She builds brand reputation and fuels employee engagement, but we're just happy to have her on the show. So welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you so much, Brett. I'm really excited to be here. And thank you for being as here as well. But first question as all my guest is, and it's the most important question, are you a coffee or a tea drinker? That that absolutely is a perfect question to start with. Um, I'm tea. You know, most people are like, how do you like your coffee? But I actually am a tea drinker. I won't get into details, but I, I really love just a nice cup of tea every morning. I'll get a little bit. Do you like like green tea? Ah, it- yes. English I do drink green, green matcha okay. tea. Yeah. Gotcha. And if I'm traveling for work, it's usually a go-to Earl Grey. Because um, that's usually everywhere. True. Earl Grey is kind of like the, I guess, the dark roast of coffee. Because everybody thinks dark roast is like the roast to actually get. Get the most amp. Yep. Well, actually, spoiler alert, it's actually not. Light to medium roast actually gives you the most caffeine. And dark actually gives you the least amount of caffeine. Oh, interesting. Okay. Nice. Just so for your coffee friends, you're like, we should get dark. Like, nope, not if you want caffeine. <laughs> Medium roast. Yeah. Awesome. Good to know. Yes. Anyways, I gave a brief introduction to your expertise. Can you give our listeners a little bit more about what you do? Absolutely. So uh, the first half of my career was all at agencies and agencies are a really great place for communications and PR experts to just get their feet wet and get a lay of the land and put those hours in and so that you can just see a breadth of industries, figure out what works for you and where you fit um, to be able to figure out how to tell different stories to different media and using the tools uh, everywhere you go is different and each brand has a different voice that they're trying to tell. So it really helps you to really, you know, become an expert of, of a whole bunch of different trades. But the last half of my career, I've really loved. I have been in-house at Applebee's now for almost seven years. And I essentially tell people today, I, I tell stories and I connect dots and connecting dots between the stories, but then also just within the team, building team culture and really driving continuous improvement. And, um, you know, on the, so the internal side, but then also externally, like how do we drive brand affinity and keep our guests loving the brand and telling those stories that, that make people just feel connected to who you are. Gotcha. And so has there been a shift for brand reputation to actually care more about employee engagement? Because before it's been like, 
the brand is the brand and employee relations is the employee relations. They don't really mix or mingle too much, but it has recent events kind of like shifted that position to be like, well, maybe we should care about what our employees think about. You know, that's, that's a great, absolutely great question. But based on what we've been through these past three years, you know, I think companies have always cared about employee engagement, but now there's a name for it. There's a function for it. And it is kind of a crossover and an integration between HR and communications and, you know, that in itself, the employee engagement piece has really had to evolve with this pandemic and, and it's going to continue evolving with the state of the economy as it is today. But it's important, I believe, for like companies to really listen to what their team members are saying also online. So I think, you know, we're hearing what people say within our four walls walking around, but you need to be able to go online and that's where people are being the most honest. And Every brand today, and and we do, should have a 24-7 social community management program where you're listening and learning and hearing what your team members and your consumers or your guests are really saying about the brand. Um, You know, just with the accessibility and how viral today social media is, you know, brands need to be able to respond in real time to anything that is brand damaging, as well as mining for those positive conversations that, you know, brands can really get in on and amplify where it can be beneficial. So really depending on your company, um, consider how you could also engage those team members who are yeah, active online and turning them into brand ambassadors, right? So like, let them tell their story. It makes it authentic. It's real. And it's, and it's this human touch. One of the things that we're really uh, passionate about is just our LinkedIn channel at Applebee's, you know, just that's an amazing place to showcase your uh, brand focus on people, on team. And again, this is also one of those pages, depending on what kind of brand you have and how you're structured, it really intersects between HR and communications. So owning that content calendar for LinkedIn, it can fall in either of those places, but, you know, taking that opportunity to showcase like who's your high performers, showcasing anniversaries or job openings, and really just how your brand shows up there really speaks volumes for attracting new employees or even turning them off. So showing up and being being honest and transparent and fun is important. So it, it should be a matter of just basically like, not even just being on the social network, but also interacting as well, because I mean, I previously, I think a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn, were like, oh, the brand's over there and we're just going to interact with ourselves and no uh-huh. one really cares about what the brand pages are about. Because I don't think LinkedIn really cared too much until I would say like three or four years ago where they actually started to like make it better. So should you engage with those conversations? Because like, for example, for me, I engaged with Rode microphones about like one of their softwares being part of one of my equipment. And they actually got back to me and I... I basically posted that on my thing as well. So should they care about those interactions with employees and customers? Because your customers are going to be everywhere, including LinkedIn, because business professionals still eat. Yeah, absolutely. And and 100%. I mean, I think the first thing any of us are going to do today, if we're going to be looking for a new job, is going to LinkedIn. Like, what is what is what are people saying? Who's in the company already? What do those people stand for? Like the transparency is so real today. And so it's like how you show up there is incredibly important. And if you're not engaging, then, then what's the point of having platform, like being out there, right? You're not just like 
the, the gone are the world of one-way communication. You can't just push something to someone and just like expect them to, you know, all right, that's it. We're done. Check the box. Like you've got, you, you're creating one-on-one relationships now with whoever your end, end user is. So is there a greater focus on employee engagement now than there ever has been before? Because like I said before, it, there has been, but it feels like there wasn't a limelight on that for quite a while. It was, well, it's a nice to do when we get to it, but it's not a priority. Is it now starting to become more of a priority? You know, people, whether it's guests, your team members, whatever your stakeholders are within your organization, people are the foundational pillar of any brand promise. And if it's not, you're doing something wrong. You know, good leadership knows that a brand cannot exist without a dedicated focus on its people and specifically those who are are carrying the brand, who are living it, who are breathing it, who are making it come to life every day. So if you're not focusing on your people, then then your people will feel it and you, you won't have any people left essentially. And so... How should, let's say PR pros are looking to update their brand reputation policies. How should they go about making sure there's a greater focus on that? Because I'm pretty sure all PR pros want to do the best job they can. So how do they update that to make sure they don't go too overboard with it? Because like I said, we're human. We're going to be like, oh, we should really do this. And it's like, well, we shouldn't really tell everybody everything. Yes, very true. Um, You know, it's, it's a, a unique balance, right? Everything like this starts at the top. So if senior leadership within an organization, which, you know, agencies don't usually have access to senior, senior leaders, um, you know, they, it has to be something that they buy into. It has to be something that they believe. So how can agencies specifically help to counsel their in-house communications professionals to have those conversations with their leaders, just to provide them with, hey, here's here's what this means to have a solid pillar of people with that and how that can grow your brand and how it's so important for all of these different aspects of, of your business. And I mean, we talked about a little bit, but how has the pandemic changed all this? Because it seems like it was that inflection point with PR people, because we always had to be flexible on what is going on with either keeping open, keeping your employees safe, like all this stuff was like thrown at us we're like okay let's change let's do this oh mass we gotta do mass oh no we don't have to do mass oh they, they can't come into the restaurant oh they can kind of sort of come to the restaurant oh you can have outdoor seating but not really at the same time so like how how did this pandemic like change all that function oh you're taking me back to a, a very challenging time specifically uh you know the pandemic has been good and it's it's been bad and it's been good right i think you know, specifically as we talk about my crisis communications experience uh you know the things that seemed big back then now seem pretty small right it's it's like this you you've we've just been through this um, incredible churn uh and it has been i mean i think as pr pros we're automatically already really quick on our feet we're we're adept at switching gears and like within a blink and going back and forth because that's just kind of what the in, like the nature of our business i think we're just specific people are wired for for being able to succeed at that. Um, but you hit it on, on the nail. You know, when we were first starting in the pandemic at Applebee's, we were having three uh, three conference calls with our entire system of 1,600 restaurants and their leaders a, a week. And we did that for probably three months. And it is, you know, just how do you adapt to the new information that's coming at you every single day and making sure that, 
you know, you're building a brand that your your guests still trust you. They you know they're going they know you're going to keep them safe when you're in the restaurant as much as possible, as much as humanly imaginable. Like so establishing and maintaining that trust is critical in those moments. And I think you'll see that there's brands who succeeded in maintaining that trust through the pandemic and those who didn't and have, have gone to the wayside. But um it's it's uh you know, we're just constantly on our feet. And I'll also say too, that with the communications function during that pandemic, I think that a lot of companies realized how important it is for communications to have a seat at the table. You know, we're not just there to write a press release and push that out. We are, we are helping to really just build culture, to inform business strategy, to leverage you know we're really critical pieces of of a functioning organization so i think that um our industry got a lot more respect during the pandemic and now it's it's up to us to continue to own that seat and to just continue to grow so it was more of just a, another wake-up call to how important pr was during that time because of just all the information that was coming out and all the information that was changing at the same time i feel like it was changing like three or four times a day and you're like okay, we're going to figure this out the best we can, but it's almost like telling your employees be flexible with us. Cause we're trying to figure this out at the same time. So yeah. was, was there that trust part, like a huge part of it with employees as much as the customer? Absolutely. You know, because we were, we were a restaurant brand and what, what does that look like? Right. So we have 1600 restaurants and in overnight you just go off, uh, you know, off premise, right? You just have takeout. No more are your restaurants open for us specifically because you come into an Applebee's, you're spending an hour and a half there. That's an experience. You're sitting down. You're not getting a bag of French fries and taking it to go. Like, how do you then train or teach or guide your guests into knowing, hey, no, we are a good resource for uh, your to-go meal. If you need to have a, a better quality meal than what you can get in a traditional sack. And Lucky for us, Applebee's had already done a lot of work. Like we had launched um, CarSide to go 18 years earlier. So we'd already had that baseline and we were looking to advance. But I think that this pandemic also forced so many of us to just speed up those timelines for which we're looking to create more digital experiences. Mm. Did it also like make you rethink the outdoor experience too? Because I mean, yeah. I looked at Sonic and Sonic had the best like model for actually dining because all their stuff was basically outside. You just you sit in your car, someone comes up to you and gives your food. Like, is there, was there like something to be like, how can we communicate this to like our partners and everything to like try to do a good outdoor experience, like the indoor experience in Applebee's. Mm -hmm. So yes, there was, there was a whole section on that too. That was an entire webinar that we created just, just dedicated to how you build an outside seating space leveraging that. And obviously that doesn't work in all geographies across the country during the entire year, but when can you take advantage of it? You know, taking over parking lots and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But another thing too, that was fun that came out of the pandemic is that a lot of our great ideas do come from our franchisees. And one of our franchisees in Arkansas um, built a pickup window so that people could literally drive through. I mean, it, it changes, it, it it's it's not a drive-through window, so like it's not like you're getting food that was just made three minutes ago. It's it's you you order ahead, 
you drive through and you pick it up. So now we've got uh, about 10 of those nationwide and we're seeing if that's a new new business strategy that can work. So it's also leveraging like the great ideas from your organization, which I guess the good thing for the, the pandemic kind of like forced that is like, how can we get good ideas from our employees at the same time? Because they might have great ideas that we never thought about, like like you said. Exactly, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and looking at our menu too, one thing that people don't probably realize is that Applebee's had to, you know, there's less people in your restaurants. There's there's nobody coming in. Restaurants are are now down to maybe three or four people in a restaurant working. So how do you create menu items that are still appealing to your guests? You're you're, you're getting their favorites, but then you're also creating things that are have simple simplified operations so that you're not overcomplicating the kitchen. And with that, that allowed us to really look at what are those best sellers? What are those things that our guests love? And then to, to, to slim down our menu and then create room for new innovation when we launch back up. I guess that was the second of the double whammy, the inflation slash employee, I guess, retention wasn't, or people didn't, people didn't really want to go, or supposedly people didn't want to go back to work. I don't want to say people didn't, but supposedly people didn't want to go back to work or there wasn't as many people that wanted to work. So I guess that was the way of you simplifying, making it efficient with a a reduced workforce. Is that what I'm hearing? Only during when the restaurants were closed, right? So like when the, when the kitchens or the dining rooms, dining was closed. Yeah. Got it. And then, I mean, moving on to events, because events were a little weird the past two years too. (laughs) Like how, how how do our businesses becoming choosier on attending events? Because it, I think the pandemic was like, well, should we, do we need to go here? Should we go here? Like, was that part of the conversation now, even with catering? I mean, pretty sure Applebee's does catering as well. Was it being choosier with businesses? And like, how did, how did you navigate even all that type of stuff with events? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, Time is scarce. I think the pandemic taught us that our time is incredibly valuable. And if we're going to choose to go to an event, then it needs to be really, you got to get your bang for your buck. It's, you got to provide some real value that I'm getting out of it to step away from our family, to take that time and mess in where we could have been you know, doing whatever else makes us happy. But um, essentially events have changed. Absolutely. And I think you know, beforehand in 2019, if you were to say, you know, attend this virtual event, people would be like, what? No, like I have no idea how to attend a virtual event. Uh, but since the pandemic, you know, we're, we, we can learn better. We're much lot better online learners. I mean, we forced an entire country of kindergarten, first graders, second graders who have just started touching computers to be able to learn online. So as adults, you know, we, we now, I think, are much more equipped to be able to get more out of an event that is virtual. Yeah. And how should PR pros consider when pitching events? Because I feel like now it's like, okay, everybody's really pent up now. So how should we pitch this event? Because it's getting the people still to go, I guess, to go someplace because of, and now it's because of airline fees are so high because the hotel fees are so high. Like, there's got to be that pitch of like, why is this valuable? So how do they get to that part of like, why is this event valuable for people to go? Absolutely. And I mean, reporters time is gold and the reporters, 
you know, they have slimmer pockets and there's fewer of them. And they have 16 other companies who are saying, hey, come to my event this week. Uh, while there is pent up demand to get out, people are also, I think, more reluctant still. I don't think everyone's like, we, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let me hit the road running to the levels at which we all were beforehand. Not saying that we're not working, but I think we're also just working smarter. Um, you know, so, I mean, reporter's time is incredibly valuable. And if it's not something that's in their beat, that's easy to access, you know, they're probably not likely to attend. Um, and then just think about like that in-person experience. If it's if it's not just single-minded, right? How can you maximize and get more about it? It's not just X, it's X, Y, and Z. And, you know, thinking about their budgets. Mm. And then should events permanently offer virtual passes because that is the time constraint. I could do it from home. Maybe I don't want to go to that one place there, or maybe I just don't have the time to take the time off to do this stuff. So should virtual events be like a permanent thing for people? Well, until maybe it wanes, it might wane, but it should yeah. be a permanent thing. <laughs> I, I think it really depends on the event. Not everything can be virtual. I mean, there is absolutely value in a virtual event. It's also a new revenue stream for event producers if, if you're on, you know, the event production site. But, you know, because beforehand, people wouldn't want to wrestle the virtual component because it does take a lot of work. It's not always the right fit creating, you know, an in-person event and just sticking a camera out there and being like, whoop, it's virtual now. It, it doesn't, doesn't translate like that. So I think it really depends on the event and um, and if it's and if it's the right fit, some stuff still is just better in person. Um, and you want to make sure that if it's a virtual piece, that like your your virtual audience is having a great experience. I mean, I think you know, just going back to the last question, when when you're planning an event, there's there's a bunch of things that that you can really ask. Like, can your you know your audience get the same story through a phone call. Can can you have a 30 second or 30 minute phone conversation? And that's that's exactly what they get if they invest their three to four hours to attend your event. You know, are you creating an enriching experience, something that they can touch, taste, and smell, and something that is much more than they can get over the phone or a webinar? A couple other things to think about are accessibility, like I've touched on before, you know, if you're in New York, is it rush hour? Is it the afternoon slump? Is it a location that's difficult to get to? Or, or you know, even considering to provide um, transportation for your attendees, that's kind of like a, hey, I, I got you in a cab. <laughs> like, you can't go anywhere else. So come on over. Um, just doing whatever you can to remove barriers and make an experience as enjoyable as possible. Uh, and then what's different, you know, like I said before, is like they're getting 12 event invites probably a week again now. Like, how are you, how is your event standing out and being something fun? And then who are you even inviting? Making sure that you have the right invite list. Is it, you know, are you curating that list specifically for this specific story? And, you know, it's not just one-to-one -one communication, you know, like I'm not getting a personalized SMS text from insert brand, you know, we need to also be talking to our reporters in this one-on-one -on -one relationship as opposed to spamming them. And then one other key piece too, as we think about events is like, how will your guests show up on media or social media, right? So like a big piece of events now is you want those reporters who are attending to go onto social media, to like share their experience with the brand and 
So is that experience, how's that going to be told through those attendees? How are they going to be promoting your, you know, whether it's employee engagement or a product or a, a promotion? So those are just a few pieces on thinking about an event. Is it better in person or is it going to be virtual? Mm. It's almost like you talked about the Applebee's experience, trying to do an event with like an Applebee's type of experience for people to come sit down, enjoy type of a thing. Should they like remember that part about it is that the experience is one of the most important things, not the most important things. You got to have good speakers. You got to have something yes. interesting, but like an Applebee's experience almost. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you can get to go, right? And, and, you know, you'll get it in your to-go package and it'll, you'll bring it to your house and you have that same experience, but nothing is, it, it is, it feels differently and you experience it differently when you're sitting at the table and someone um, serves you and you're having conversations, you're learning about the server and they're learning about you and you're, you're, you know, feeling the energy that other humans who are near you are providing. Like there's, there's tremendous value in that. Gotcha. And then what do you think changes, what changes are coming for the PR industry in 2023? Boy, um, I, I love this industry because we're always changing. I think we are just so moldable and adaptable more so than, you know, some of the other industries. Um, but, you know, I think social media has really turned things upside down and looking at social in new ways is very important. So I think most brands now are always looking at content creators or influencers, influencers that, Hey, here's my message push this out to your audience if you like the product or whatever and make sure that it works for you. But it's, you know, flipping that and taking it even further to the next level. So it's, you know, here's my content creator, an influencer. Let's work together on building a story that works for you and your audience and that's authentic to your voice and that incorporates our brand. So it's a little bit of, it's a heavier piece, right? And it's, it's much more authentic and real. So how do you infuse more of those types of experiences within what you're doing in your social media strategy? Um, and really just like looking at your key audiences, like where are they? Are they you know, platforms keep evolving. They keep popping up, making sure that you're staying in tune with what's next and what's gone and what isn't. And, and obviously there's, you know, a lot of stuff going on with some, some platforms right now that you just gotta make sure you're keeping your nose to the information and, and keeping relevant. So in addition to, uh, you know, leveraging content creators, but it's, it's, we're kind of at this, like always trying to figure out how do we show that PR is providing real value to companies? And I think we're looking at how do we measure the value of PR, uh, moving beyond impressions? How do we provide uh, the most effective way for, for me to be able to go to my, my bosses and my franchisees and say, we, this is the impact we had from the PR and communications function on sales this year. That's the question that we need to be able to answer and to provide. You know, I talked about us having a seat at the table. That's what they want to hear. You know, advertising has the value or media, media buying of saying like, hey, we saw these and, and you can see the measurements there. But where, how do we do that with PR? And I think that's the, that's the ticket that we need to be evolving to and answering this, this coming year. Um, in addition to, you know, focusing on equality and community, right? So those are two big pieces too. Um, you know, there's been waves of social injustice and, you know, brands are taking a look at, 
are they how are they communicating to all of their people and all of their audiences and how is that impacting who they are and how they're showing up and what they're saying and similarly you know there's a, a focus on community i think you know that happened years ago well before the pandemic it's not a pandemic thing but i think the fact that it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and, you know brands can't ignore it at all anymore if they were just talk how they talk about and share the impact that they have on their communities and the world around them. You know, are they, are they establishing good social good programs? You know, it's not just checking the box though. It needs to be something that's authentic and real and that fits with your brand and your brand personality. Otherwise it's something that's you're really not going to stick. You know, people, people want this too. You know, people want to be a part of a brand or something bigger than just, you know, to go delivery, right? Like people want to be a part of something that they can really believe in. And you'd be amazed how, um, you know, that's kind of one of the first questions that when I do interviews with people, it's like, what are you, what are you doing with your community? Or I saw that, you know, Applebee's does an Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation campaign every year to raise funds for childhood cancer research. And, you know, that's the stuff that, you know, hits the home and heart that people want to be a part of. Mm. All great things coming. I mean, <laughs> be prepared, PR pros, because we're going to have to get more, I guess, social is the best way of saying yes. it. But the fun question that I want to really ask you is, what is the most interesting PR, or interesting, more than one of you have more than one, but more interesting PR campaigns you worked on? Yeah, I I love my job. It keeps me on my toes. It is just, you know, I get to see so many different sides of an or sides of this organization and to work with some amazing agencies. Um, and I think one of the things that I'll always remember as part of my career is kind of a, a milestone was our fancy like campaign. I don't know how familiar you are with country music, but we have a, um, last year in 21, we had the fancy like Applebee's campaign. And it really stemmed from, it was a very authentic, organic moment. I remember getting a phone call from one of our field operators just saying, hey, you know, like I got an email from this guy's cousin who has a song coming out and, you know, he talks about Applebee's. He just wanted to connect. And, you know, from the time that I got that phone call to not even two months later, you know, we have a national ad talking about Applebee's with Fancy Like. It has, you know, TikTok videos of people doing the Fancy Like dance. It has Shaq, you know, not our ad didn't have it, but, you know, people were across the country were doing the Fancy Like dance. And, you know, I think it happened in June of 21. And if you put your mindset back into the world and, you know, it's where we were in the pandemic. And that's when that people were so pent up, right? They just needed something to like, believe in something to trust, something to love. And here comes Walker Hayes and his daughter dancing on their front porch to their to their, this new song that came out. And it really became something really beautiful. And, and Applebee's being a very nimble and flexible organization, you know, we, we seize the moment. It's not normal when, you know, a brand our size can pivot and within months and weeks, you know, launch a national campaign. It was, it was really something beautiful and um, just really, I loved it, right? We brought back the Oreo shake because he had that in his song, something that we had trimmed down the menu because of the pandemic, just to simplify our menu. And, you know, we, people from Jimmy Kimmel 
Amy Adams, uh, you know, Shaq, like I said, you know, they were doing this dance and it's just the 12 million views of the, our ads on, on YouTube. It's just, it was tremendous. And what's great too, is that music has always been a part of our Applebee's DNA. So this was such a natural fit. It's just, it was something, it was awesome. Nice. Yeah. I think we all remember those campaigns. Even I remember the campaign <laughs> being plastered everywhere. It's like, Oh, okay. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, Walker did, did it on his own. He did the dance and then we just added, you know, some fuel to that, to that fire and it took off in a nice way. Nice. And where can people find you online? I think on LinkedIn, if you, if you, if anyone wants to find me, I'm happy to have a conversation uh anytime i'm just melissa hereria on linkedin all right oh any final thoughts for listeners uh, absolutely i mean i think i said it before but it's really an awesome and exciting time for for us to be in communications you know we've, we've got a seat at the table we we are communicators we're showing our value we're constantly evolving it's it, we're, we're doing really fun stuff um, you can't have a brand anymore that just sits on a shelf. If you're not engaging, if you're not communicating, if you're not having these conversations and being honest with your consumers, then then you're not going to succeed. So uh, have fun with it. All right. Thank you, for Melissa, for joining PR360 and sharing your knowledge on PR communication, prices communication, and events. Absolutely. Thanks, Brett, for having me. It was fun. Yes. And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 and all your favorite podcasting apps. Leave a five-star review. Let's get up to that number one spot in the PR business category, I should say. But join us next week as we talk about what's going on and also the thought leaders are going on in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get to understanding your communication strategies and getting involved in your community. See you next week. Later.